1: Celtic
0: Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host Justin Poolen. With me, John Duke. It was an abbreviated break for the two of us since our last show. We went late last week, and you got us Friday morning. Now you have us Monday morning uh, yet again. And the only game we have to talk about happens to be a rather exciting game. So thank goodness for that. The Celtics take one at home against the Raptors. And I did predict just a couple of days ago, John, that that would be a blowout in the Raptors' favor, figuring that this team... The shorter-handed they get, at some point they're going to run out of gas, and instead we see guys like Marcus Morris elevate their game. We see Tatum continuing to be on a roll, Brown playing well, and Rozier really playing um, off the hook in Kyrie Irving's absence. Really phenomenal. And then a guy like Aaron Baines decides to drain two three-pointers in the first half. So what do you think about that?
1: I think it's phenomenal. I mean, you talk about two three-pointers from Aaron Baines. You end up with a situation where like he he made more three-pointers, those two three-pointers. He made two more three-pointers than Ben Simmons has made all season. Okay, think about that for a
0: second. Dude, I You're... love you. You really know how to put some spin on something. <laughs> you know, we're not counting triple doubles. We're counting triples. <laughs> no. We're counting triple,
1: just triple. And we got the eventual rookie of the year. Uh, you know, look, that's, that's a little bit hate hard approved, but listen, I, I just think that where this team is right now, if if that wasn't enough for you to cast your ballot for Brad Stevens as coach of the year then you need to just get out just get out right now okay hit the road you know turn in your ballot say look I'm not allowed to do this anymore i i need to get out of town go into an assumed name stay in a hotel for until this all blows over because it's insane right now Anyone would possibly cast a ballot to me in any other direction than Brad Stevens. They beat the Raptors. They're the second best team in the, in the East. They have a two game, you know, fallback between them and the Raptors with another game in Toronto, which is going to be a very, very hard game, mind you. But the fact that they're even in this position with a D league roster, uh, a D league bench, I should say, a summer league roster aside from Al Horford and Mook Morris, uh, Aaron Baines, and they're competing with the best in the East. It's, it's unbelievable. It's mind bending how crazy this has all been. And it's all, it's all attributable, I think, to Brad. Stevens the well
0: and Danny Ainge's drafting strategy he picked the right players that could be ready there were other players that were more works in progress obviously you and I felt over the last two seasons well at least I felt over the last two seasons that the draft picks were good I don't know that anybody can say that about Terry Rozier you and I were pretty locked in on Tatum you came around on Brown but at the end of the day You also have to give some credit to Danny for getting high-character guys who have made themselves ready to perform in these moments. He also traded Avery Bradley for Morris, and I don't think that Avery Bradley would have been able to lead the team through these scoring droughts the way that Morris has. And so maybe it's time we just give a little extra special attention to Morris for being the player that he was. I know he had an up-and-down year. There were moments where you and I were saying, what is going on with him? Something's just not quite right. But the confidence that he exudes, I'm just salivating for the point in the playoffs where he's their bench guy coming in and lighting it up like that. Or maybe he finishes some games in the postseason, but he's hit some big shots this year, and they've needed it more than anything.
1: The The boost that this team has gotten from Rozier and Tatum offensively, at times Brown, it is just phenomenal. I mean, look at a game like last night. You've got – MVP candidate. I mean, he's not going to win, but you know, he may be in that kind of Isaiah Thomas area where he's not the top candidate, but he's in the conversation, top five guy in DeMar DeRozan. And he had a good game, 32 points. I mean, five boards. He he was solid. I wouldn't say he was uh you know missing out, but you look at what you got out of Rozier and Tatum uh in particular, just you look at where they are. I mean, two years ago at this time, Terry Rozier was—he was totally, <laughs> absolutely back of the the, the milk carton. uh you know, Where is this kid? Uh, we didn't know where he was, and then even last year, in the middle of the season, didn't
0: really show up all that well until it came to playoff time. I was going to say, "You say where fries. is he? It's always in the playoffs. He's waiting for it. He's he's ready for the moment. That's what makes him so crazy." Well, and you wonder,
1: right? So, if you take that another step further, is there another level to playoff Terry Rozier that we that we're not seeing right now? Because if so, I, I think Wick and company better start to open up the checkbook a little bit more and give that guy a nice big extension. He's he is nearing some some pretty rarefied air in terms of the extension that he may be going for. I mean, we had Kevin Durant this week tell Bill Simmons he thinks Terry Rozier is a starting point guard in the NBA. I don't know. I mean, right right now that's, that's asking quite a bit, but he's certainly the starting point guard for a team that's pushing for the top seed in the East. Tremendous. He's definitely
0: a starting point guard for a team coached by Brad Stevens, just based on the numbers and the wins that you've seen when he's gotten his number called. Um Is he a starting caliber lead your team all-star point guard? I don't know, but the pedigree may be there. You say, is there another level for Terry Rozier in the postseason? And I say, we're certainly going to find out in the first round.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think that, you know, you look at the matchups, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but you look at where they're headed, uh, in terms of who they could be facing in that first round. You know, the Heats, Dragic, tough guy, you know, um, Bledsoe, I guess, you know, for the, for the Bucks. Obviously, we all know what's going on with John Wall, but he's slow and still coming back from injury. There's a, there's a, there's a very real scenario where Terry Rozier does a Rondo like leap, like we saw in 2010 and 2011 where he just all of a sudden says, look, jump on my back guys. I don't know if that happens, but, but he could be that kind of energizing force that really helps to, to, you know, push this team forward, you know, while you know Kyrie's still trying to find his legs I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know Kyrie being able to ease his way back into it. You don't want to have to throw him into the middle of a game seven and be like, "Okay, how are we going to do this um, You feel like that with with the way Rozier has played over the last six, eight, twelve weeks maybe that he can really carry this team. In stretches, uh, and if as long as he, they get enough from Tatum, they get enough from Brown and, and certainly, uh, Mook Morris offensively, you feel like they got a pretty good chance against any of those, those teams that they could face in the first round.
0: Well, they definitely have the athleticism with this unit, and I think that's, we talked about it in the show just a couple of days ago about whether or not it was the fresh legs and the youth and the athleticism that was helping them garner these wins, and that really will be the litmus test, is in that first round when we know these guys are going to have to do it some more on an even bigger stage. I think the thing about the Raptors game was just the way that they finished it. It was really incredible uh, how they pulled away, and they pulled away because of defense. As much as we've seen glimmers of hope offensively from a very shallow bench due to injury from guys like Morris and Rozier and Tatum etc what we have seen is not a drop off in defense and when you make your play for saying that Brad deserves coach of the year it's when you see guys in their first and second years in the league going out there and contributing to lockdown defense against the number one seed in the Eastern Conference to try to get that gap closed up a little bit and make a run to reclaim number one atop the East.
1: <laughs> I, just, I can't believe you're saying that. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I can't believe where we were two weeks ago. And we We did a show and it was like, Doomsday's coming, and then that got even worse in the days after. It was like, oh, my gosh, is the season over? Are we just trying to, you know, make sure nobody else gets hurt? It felt like there was an avalanche, and <laughs> yeah, here we are. We're pushing for the number one seed here with two weeks to go. It's it's unbelievable. It's phenomenal, you know, and, and Terry Rozier, you look at what he's done here this season, you know, and, and of late, certainly, but just the way his growth now as a player I, I just I'm flabbergasted where many of us were you know maybe not booing the pick but but certainly unhappy with the pick with you know the the potential of game justice Winslow and you know that was a really the first year where the Nets picks and everything was kind of coming together and it seems like well maybe this is the year Danny's able to get up higher in the draft get somebody like Porzingis or you know Okafor or one of these guys and lo and behold You know, if you were to redraft that draft today... You got to feel like Terry Rozier. Maybe not only is a top ten, he might be a top five pick in that top in that 2015 draft. That's crazy.
0: You and I were both really big on Justice Winslow even before we heard about the trade rumors that night. It was before it was like, oh, when we got to like that seven and eight spot, we're like, he might slide, he might slide, he might slide. Move up, move up. You know. Then obviously we found out that Danny offered quite a lot to try to move up for Winslow. But to your point. You know, with revisionist history at our side, we can sit there and say, maybe we got the better player. Maybe we picked the right guy. And and also, I will say that Winslow would have had a completely different upbringing had he come to the Celtics. And I think culture matters a lot in people's development. And having said that, I think we could point it right back at Tatum and say he busted through that rookie wall like the Kool-Aid man in a commercial. And I'll just say... There it is again, I'll just say. All I'm going to say about Tatum is it's at the right time because there are going to be minutes not only in the first round but moments in the postseason where they're going to need him to come up big and we needed him to get his confidence back, and it's on full display.
1: And look, I'm not saying that this – I'll just say <laughs> – <laughs> Sorry, just had to fit in. You can't do um,
0: that. I got that copyrighted. Okay. So let's.
1: i I've just. I got his game. I got his his uh, his plus minus up here, and that's not the only measure. But but so sort of, it's a measure when so much is on his shoulders now. His his minutes now are are in the 30s consistently. Right, he's mid 30s and 46 in that double in that overtime game against the the Wizards. But he has since the All Star break. One two. Three four, five games in that time that where they he 's been under you know the plus minus has been, has been a minus as a rookie okay as a rookie he 's been in that scenario and what 's also great about him and certainly, I like the scoring his shooting attempts he hasn 't shot under double digit shooting attempts since the Orlando game on the sixteenth so it 's been you know almost two weeks here since he 's had a, a single digit game and then he, he a couple more behind that he was a double digit so there is a switch that has gone off for him in terms of his desire to be a bit more aggressive. But I want to point out one thing that I really loved about Jason Tatum. There was a play in the second, uh, second half, maybe third quarter actually. Tatum gets in the lane, right? And he does this little, this kind of turns his shoulder and kind of little dump off pass to Baines. And I just went, whoa, whoa, wait a second now. Okay. Now, you know, he has, he's, <laughs> it's like, Okay, for the Star Wars nerds, right? I'm one, you know, there's no shame in it. But when, you know, when you're in that situation in, in, let's say the Force Awakens, right? And Ray all of a sudden like, oh, she's figuring this stuff out and she's more powerful than she realized. That was that moment for me where like, yeah, I know he can, he's got the soft J. I know he can rise up and grab the boards. I know he can block shots. Now he's playmaking at a level that's not like, you know, kind of seen over the top of the defense, but like, Seeing, knowing helps coming, find the right dish. I mean, that's the, that kind of next level stuff that I'm not going to make the crazy comparisons, but I'm just saying in terms of playmaking, the 19 year old, now 20 year old kid, um, He's, he's a lot further along than even I would have guessed. If we got as far as we got with the wall thing, I'm cool with his season. That was great. Now we're kind of going, we're kind of going into some uncharted territory. And as, I want to give plenty of credit to Mitchell, plenty of credit to Simmons. But of all of those guys, I think Tatum's the guy I'd want on my team for the, in the years going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Simmons, it's hard to say that with Simmons, but it's the spacing the floor factor that go. makes you think, all right. And Simmons has had a lot of, opportunity to grow his game with a spotlight on him. Now that Tatum's had that opportunity, imagine if he was on a, and I know they're not a lesser team now because they've really started to charge forward, but they're a younger team. So imagine if Tatum had been on the, in the spotlight as the number two guy, all season long the way he has the last couple of weeks, you know, on the offensive side, you might have seen a guy who maybe not the many triple doubles, but probably a higher scoring rate. There would be different facets of the game that would be a strength, but I think you might see a much closer race for that rookie of the year. And I know they say he's in it, but he's really not. You and I both know, despite the fact that, you know, we think that second-year players due to injury shouldn't qualify, Simmons probably got this locked up. Um, At least in my opinion. And so that's probably the way that it's going to go, but it might have looked like a closer race were the composition of this team similar to that of Philly. Now, we're not going to go down the Philly road right now, but what we can say is next season, real quick, before we look at the rest of the regular season this year, it's almost like Horford has to go to center full-time and Hayward has to play the four, right? Like this issue... Has been completely forced. They're not going to put him on the bench next year. He's going to stay in the starting lineup with Brown, which means Hayward's got to play the four and Horford has to play the five. Is there any way around it?
1: Well, I think I think we go back to what we were talking about in the summer, which was the crunch time lineup versus the start. You know, versus the starting lineup, right? And I and I wonder if they stay with that for that purpose. But there's still big questions. Both of your centers under under contract right now. Are are, are going to be gone <laughs> July first. They're free agents, so there's no guarantees that either one of those guys, either Moose or uh, um, you know Baines, that they're back here. So, but you're gonna you're gonna resign somebody, and Tice will be here, sure. But you're gonna need some heft. You're gonna want to keep probably one of those guys at least, and maybe add one in the draft. But yeah, I mean, you, can you start a game like that, or do you want to kind of start to create that almost? You know, situation where you're giving somebody a job. And I wonder if they give the job, uh, to Tatum. You know, they make him the sixth man. They make him come up. Again, we're going to talk about that Kevin McHale comparison here. Kevin McHale had, Kevin McHale Ah. had to come up. It's, hey, it's there, man.
0: Ah. It worked. No.
1: You had, you had, you had, you had Parrish, you had Bird, you had, you had Cedric Maxwell. One of the you can't play them all, and and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but you said – I don't well, hold well, on. It's as simple.
0: Them. It's as simple. Talent wise, you put your best five on the floor. Definitely at the end of the games, like you're saying, but you should do it at the start of the game too. You want to get out to a hot start. You've got the depth in this scenario to pull in guys like Rozier off the bench and rotate them in without major drop-offs, just based on how many minutes and how much chemistry got fostered this season, there's no way – I mean, it's just as simple. You don't put Baines in the starting lineup to stick Rosier, Tatum, and Smart on the bench. You just don't. I mean, I get where you're coming from, and I understand the potential hit on, on, on the defensive end and, and being a little bit undersized, but I'd rather come out – With all of those guys moving the ball around the floor, spacing it out, and just jamming offense down the opponent's throat. Because the faster they do that and the bigger lead they build early on, the more likely they can get to those bench guys like Smart and Rozier and rotate them in with the young guys. And give the players who need the rest, and that's Horford and Irving more and above all, the rest that they need. And and Hayward, maybe. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be 100% next year without lingering issue. But Kyrie's got kind of a long-term management issue. Minutes down is a good thing for longevity on his contract and the want to re-sign him. And then Horford is getting older. He's not old, but older. So you keep the minutes down for those two guys, and you let the younger guys play. And the best way to do that is to come out shooting, swinging haymakers, at the opponent. See if you can knock him down a couple of times. Try to push him into a TKO.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I, that could be, um, I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think this, look, we have that much talent. Is there a wrong way to go? I guess we'll see. But, um, I would, the one thing I'd say, I think the one problem that the Celtics face going into next year is that they have one guy right now who plays like Al Horford they got one al horford and they've got a lot of wings and a lot of guards who can play at different spots but they only got one guy that does what al horford does so and and his age um you know is 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 such that um you know he's not going to be able to um to do what he's if, he's not going to be able to play at the same level we're used to, right? He's going to start to tail off at some point. So you need to do whatever you can to, to hold him in place and keep him in check and allow him to be able to, to get enough time to not get worn down, to not have to do more than he has to do. And we saw that around the All-Star break where he wasn't himself and it was clear that that was, that was weighing on him. And the team didn't play well as a result. Once he feels better everything goes well. So, I mean, I guess from my perspective. Maybe they
0: rotate nights off. I mean, maybe they just come out with that kind of a lineup early in the season and they just start rotating nights off. And, you know, Smart gets a spot start because they're going to give, uh, you know, they're going to give Kyrie a night off. And then maybe Rozier gets the spot start another night. You know, any time that they put Jalen Brown on rest duty, you know it's smart that's got to go in at that two guard or rosier that's got to go in at that two guard so um i don't think you'll see a lot of time off for brown and you may not see a lot of time off for tatum either but i think between those two between the rest of the players there's going to be nights off they're going to rotate it through. All of these guys will get minutes, but I think their preferred starting and finishing lineup is going to be, um, you know. and you know what, we're not even including Morris in this. God, this team all of a sudden is just ridiculously deep when healthy. But as a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. And the entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media. Facebook page Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and don't forget to download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace finally the YouTube channel that's at YouTube.com slash CLNS media for high definition full length locker room interviews the garden report and the round table all must listens must watch on the YouTube channel so make sure you're checking all of that out so John, I think as we kind of look towards wrapping the show, maybe not right away, but as we hit the second half, <laughs> it sounded like we were closing. I better Senioritis. take a step back. <laughs> yeah, total easteritis. So, all I'm going to say <laughs> to close out the show, the final segment, let's talk about the finishing up of the season. There's six games left. Four of them are going to happen before we produce another show for the listening fan base, and the Raptors have games on the exact same night. So we just beat them on Saturday. Everybody gets a couple of days off. Then they face the Celtics, face the Bucks on Tuesday while the Raptors face Cleveland. There is a shot there where the Seas beat the Bucks, the Raptors lose to Cleveland, and then both teams meet up in Toronto on the second night of back-to-backs, and essentially... Raptors are going to be playing at home to keep the Celtics at bay from tying that baby up. And if the Celtics, again, hard to imagine, as as shorthanded as they are, especially on the second night of a back-to-back, as you predicted last show, that probably the Celtics would win the first and lose the second. Basically, the home team taking both in both games. But if not, they're all tied up with a few games left. Friday night, The Celtics face the Bulls. The Raptors face the Pacers. Then Sunday afternoon, the Celtics face the Hawks. And the Raptors face Orlando. So I think when we hit the end of Wednesday night, it's got to be a scenario where I believe the Celtics have to beat the Raptors and they needed the Raptors to lose to Cleveland. If that happens, the Celtics have a legitimate shot in the last four games of the year for both teams at taking the number one seed. And I think... I'm not sure how the tiebreakers play out, but if the Celtics win both of those games, and that's why they really do need to beat the Raptors in that fourth and final contest is they need to have the season series knotted up at two because a tiebreaker, it, it may have come down to that for the Celtics to really take for the first seed. So I'm not sure where they stand. I think it's conference standings from there. So I can take a look at those stats, but there's, they beat, they beat the Raptors on Wednesday. And Cleveland beats the Raptors, so that's a three game losing streak. It's hard to imagine, but it is possible, and that's when we see the the Celtics having a chance to be in the number one
1: so uh yeah there's it's um it's interesting because you're right i mean it, there's so many different machinations that can just happen between tonight when we record this on Sunday night. And, and Wednesday, you know, or I guess at the end of the day, Tuesday, because the end of the games on Tuesday really will set a stage here. You can very easily see that scenario where Cleveland beats Toronto. I mean, that, I, I say easy because, um, it's, it's possible, but not, not as if it's, you know, a 99% chance Does the captain Does the beat
0: tiebreaker them. go conference and then division or the other way around?
1: Well, it, it goes division first, but so, that's so that's was, where they
0: have a chance. So in the division right now, Toronto's 11 and four and Boston's 11 and three. If they beat the Raptors again, Boston's in the driver's seat with the division at 12 and three. And then at that point, the Raptors are 11 and five. Right. Right. So they, but, but so that tiebreaker they, could go. I mean, I know, yeah, there's more games. Well, they're head over, to but. head. They, they, they would, lose,
1: they would, if the Celtics win, they win the head to head either way. So it wouldn't even get to the division, division, um, standings. Okay. So basically the, if the Celtics win, they win the head to head series. So they'll be, they'd have the tiebreaker. If they lose, then it's two and two. So then Oh you're it,
0: right. I thought they lost the first two, but you're right. No. They won one of the first two.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they had one of them the the, the blowout game obviously, but, but they had a game back in November where the Celtics won pretty pretty significantly at home. So let's say the Celtics lose, right? Um uh, I think the biggest issue is then that they're then back to either two or three games back at that point. Um assuming uh, well, I guess there's a lot of assumptions, but that would put them pretty far back. If they win, the Celtics win the head to head series, um, and let's assume there's a game, a game gap. Let's say both Toronto and Boston win or both, they both do the same thing on Tuesday night, uh, against the Bucks and Cavs respectively. Then the situation is, you know, what happens obviously against Toronto? If Celtics win, they win head to head. They obviously, then they're ahead in division too. So.
0: So they just need to close out one more game at that point to get to the tie and take the number one seed.
1: Right. And at that point, you have a situation where Toronto has to face the Pacers and the Heat over the next two weeks, uh, in terms of playoff teams. Uh, the Celtics only have to face Washington, uh, in their next to last game. So. It's a tougher road for for Toronto. It doesn't mean that they couldn't get there. They've got such a deep bench. I'm not sure that that's really the issue. I think the real issue is probably on their starters and trying to preserve guys like Lowry, who's been pretty um had an issue with injuries. Demar Derozan has has played like a really amazing season, you know, and that's got to be wearing on him. So you've got all these different things lined up. I'm just, I guess, I look at it and say. It's going to be a tough road. I mean, even with two games, <laughs> that's a tough road to ask over six games left, but, uh, they get it to but one. The last See? six
0: were a tough road and they won them all.
1: That's right. So, I mean, do you think they'll win 12 going into the, play- going into the playoffs? That seems unlikely, but they railed it off 16 before when they lost Hayward. Why not rattle off 12? Hey, we, we didn't did think-
0: lose we- Kirk,
1: Kyrie Irving.
0: We, we thought hey, they. Why not? We thought they'd only win fifty five to fifty six games with a healthy Hayward. They've had a bunch of a bunch of players go down, no Hayward, and they're at fifty three wins right now with six to go. So that fifty six win prediction, it looks like they'll they should hit that. They should hit that number, um, which is really just incredible. They might even exceed <laughs> it. They might even exceed it. They I mean they won't hit sixty wins, but man, they could be really close.
1: Well, if they go right, if they go three, right, if they go if they go five hundred over the next six, they'll get fifty six, right? And yeah, I mean they could well they can't get to they can't get to sixty. They can get to fifty nine, right? Fifty nine. I said they can't get to yeah. sixty,
0: but they can get real close. But man, and, and that, that's that's insane.
1: <laughs> I, I I fully expect. As I said to you, I think they'd split. I think Boston wins at home, and Toronto wins at home, and I think they'll close it in. But I think the Celtics remain too. I, you know, I, I know, I know we're, we are at the, the the prediction portion of the the show, but I just don't. Toronto is so hard to beat at home. So I mean, they really are. Do they'd they be lose, really nice
0: if you do it? Do they lose that game against Washington? And rest people to try to like position those standings at that point just to make sure that they don't get the tougher. I mean, that draw in the first round is the most important of the playoffs. Everything else, you know, is, is prove yourself and hopefully you're healthy enough to do it. But that first round series, they're trying to buy a little bit of time. It's the most critical matchup. And how many years of Celtics playoff basketball is that first round series always giving them fits, right? At least for you and my era of watching this team that first round series always winds up being difficult Um tends to go the full you know right to the final game all tied up you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat and then they find a way to do it and get it done but th- that's kind of been the way of the Boston Celtics and then they're not going to be healthy this draws is, is hugely important well and you
1: know that you're absolutely is and yeah, Washington. So th- what we we're alluding to a conversation you and I had right before the show, right now Washington is sitting sixth, which is fine, right? But they're only a game between them and Miami in eighth. And when you look at what the Wizards have remaining in their schedule, they've got the Celtics, the Cavs and the, and the Rockets, right? You could see them going 0 for 3 and they've only got five games left. So they can go 2 and 3 here over the last five and Boy, (laughs) you know, yes, you know, you've got a a heat team playing the Raptors, so that might be tough for them, but man, that's a, that's a pretty tough road. So you could see them falling into eighth, you could see them falling to, uh, sixth. I mean, anything could happen with the Wizards here as they kind of go down the stretch. They need to incorporate Sean Wall. It's asking a lot of them. So, yeah, I would like to avoid the Washington Wizards if I can. Not that they've played great, but I, I feel like once Wall gets, gets better, They're going to be a tough out, no matter who who's playing against them. And let's let Cleveland take them. Let's let the Raptors take them. Anybody else but us. Yeah, we We really
0: we want Miami if we're going to be in that two seed, right? We want Miami to climb to number seven. So the best way to do that is to beat up on Milwaukee and try to you know make sure we beat them and send them on Tuesday night and send them down a loss, and then maybe allow Washington to win on that second to last game once we see how things position out it's really very interesting the way that they can kind of control that destiny a little bit there with those with those two games and how it times out because they want that game against the bucks trying to take the number 1 seed still knowing that the next night they play the raptors to kind of really try to solidify their destiny but if they don't wind up beating the raptors no big deal maybe they help You know, Miami move up into the seventh seed, which is advantageous. And then they could basically rest everybody in the second, last two games of the year if they don't get the number one seed and help Washington stay up. It's, it's funny how that kind of, kind of play out. And it's that kind of gamesmanship that most people don't like and there'll be interviews going all over the place in that locker room, and they're going to get the same line. Yeah, we don't do that. We're about winning basketball games, da 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 And then all of a sudden, it'll be Rozier and Tatum and Morris all resting in those last two games, you know what I mean? And and Shane Larkin will be out there trying to dominate with with Jalen Brown.
1: Uh, I think you're, I think you're expecting too much. I think this is the Kadeem Allen show and Jabari Bird leading the way, man. I think, I think that's what we're going to end up with. And Nader. Don't
0: forget Nader. Nader. Shemi, Shemi's going to be your oh, Yabu no time. You know, there's oh, going to be a whole. That's what CTV. Davicelli all over the floor. If they, if they, you watch, they'll win. Like they'll, it'll be a game where you know they're supposed to lose. And because they have all these like young guys with chips on their shoulders trying to prove themselves riding this, these enormous highs that they've been on, they'll go out there and, and the main red claws will, will, will take them out. That'd be hilarious. <laughs>
1: I'd love it. I mean that would just that would be the best. That would be I couldn't ask for more than that. Um that would be that'd be the greatest thing ever, you know. And we've already seen it kind of that the you know, these these red claws have been prepared. So uh I'm I'm excited about it. I I think this this playoff picture is it firms up here over the next couple of weeks, over the next well, literally the next couple of weeks, but really over the next week, with so many games going on here this next week. Um I think it's fascinating. And you remember last year, we, there was a lot of shifting there at the end. It was so close with Indiana and Miami and all these teams just jockeying for position at the end. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that again this year and ultimately it may not matter too much in the end, at least in the East, but, um, I, I'm excited and, you know, Philly's kind of an interesting piece in this. I know you're in enemy territory down there, but they've got three games against the, or four games, I should say, against the Hawks, the Mavs, the Nets, and the Pistons. Four teams really looking to go the other way and, and tank. So. You, I think it's a very likely. That they could be in
0: the three seed. You're absolutely, absolutely. right. They could yeah. leapfrog Cleveland and, you know, then, then Cleveland winds up being in the four seed. Then we kind of, in my opinion, want the Raptors to stay in the one seed. So you're right. A week from now, when we come back and do our next show, it's going to be all playoff projections at that point. Yeah, there'll be a couple of games left and it may still have some pretty important uh, consequences in terms of determining the standings, but you and I will most certainly be looking to the playoffs at that point and we should have a pretty good idea of where things are gonna land and then we're gonna be off to the races in the postseason. I can just taste it. Just a couple of weeks away everybody. That's gonna do it. Taste it. I That's gonna taste- do it. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember, you can help support us by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and Mike co-host john duke i'm justin pool and thank you for listening to this week's edition of celtic stuff live
1: celtic stuff live